Hey, welcome everybody to the 50th podcast presented by Five Pin Universe. I'm your host, Kerry Kreitz. We have the usuals, Adam Weber, Tim Wiseman, and Dexter Wiseman. And for this milestone podcast, we have the legend, Scotty Barber, 2003 TPC at Collingwood champion, the inaugural calls uh, TPC champion, and uh, my first cash tournament I ever played in. Thanks for having me out, guys. I'm excited to be on here. Welcome, Scotty. Can't wait to hear what you've got to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> been so long We're since talking. we've talked. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Um, uh, it was pretty awesome to see you, um, Scotty, out on lanes. I know it's been a few years since you've played in a major cash tournament. Uh, how did you feel out there? I had a blast, man. It was great to be back and playing with you guys again and seeing all my friends and you know, I said again, the, the competition part of it is I don't get a lot of opportunities to go compete and much anymore. So to get out there and get to compete again was lots of fun. I had a blast playing Friday night. It was good playing with you guys, you and Johnny, and getting out to see uh, the eventual champion throw some balls was pretty nice to see. And just get, I, you know what, just be, more so hanging out with the boys and, and seeing everybody again was fantastic. And the bowling, of course, it is what it is. Yeah, for sure. It was a great time playing with you, Scotty. Um, I just want to say, Tyler obviously kept it for himself because he was absolute garbage on Friday night. But absolutely, this guy's a machine, and I was like, a broke down machine, maybe. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, yeah. Well, that's the great thing about playing those those events, though, is because that's the time period where you can use it to figure shit out too. So. Man, I, I don't hold it against them. You know what I mean? It's either the kind of you're on and you have it or you don't and you figure it out for the next day because you're really there for the single smith. So, I, hey, good on him. No, exactly. Uh, I, I was one of the guys that wasted on Thursday night on Tim Wiseman because I bowled unreal there. And, uh, <laughs> I wasted. Well, it sounds like I know I'm who sorry. gets cut from that team next year. <laughs> Taylor Michelle. Taylor was absolutely dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> and his wife said that too. So let's be let's be honest. And in, in all fairness, Kerry, we dumped Adam. We made the cut, so we did a significant improvement. So clearly made up. Yeah, Adam made, Adam made the same amount of money as we did. So they they ran all the way through the B finals, didn't make anything, and uh, they so didn't make it to the B finals. No, they got knocked out the match after. Oh, it's all the same. <laughs> they made they made all that money for nothing. So it's all good. Well, not true, because we ended up winning a couple side pots in there, too. So we, we definitely made more money than you guys. And the whole pride thing, when we ended up beating you in the first round of that uh, playoff round, that, uh, that felt pretty good, too, right? So, it's all, like I said, it's all about loyalty. It's all about karma. <laughs> so Hey, all I know is I held my ground. It was uh, the other two guys that really messed that one up. Whatever. I'm not going to lie. We were, waving the white, we were waving the white flag as soon as we made the finals. We were, we were okay. Um, even Mitch said that didn't really seem like a really tough match. So uh, thanks, Mitch. I really appreciate it. So, <laughs> Like, Kerry, you realize the common trend on, like, every single year? It, it just might be Tim? Yeah, it's really seeming that way. But uh, <laughs> I, I'm all about loyalty, so I'll stick with them. <laughs> Well, good luck with that. <laughs> uh, hey, that, that bodes well for Tyler and Scotty and Mark. So, I mean, that's all good for them right now. Yeah, I won't be leaving that team until I get kicked off. So, <laughs> so Scotty, you brought your son out for the weekend. Yep. Um, 
how cool of an experience was that for you and how cool of an experience was it for him? Awesome. I, I can't wait till he gets to play and I'm really excited for having one of my uh, bucket list things would be to play on a team with him someday. So the hope is that I can kind of hang around enough to make it to an adult team with him. So to get an opportunity to go play a cash tournament with him as well, hopefully next year will be the, will be awesome because now he knows what it's about. He has a good understanding of what it's about. And I think he's, I think he was probably ready to play this year um, to go get the experience, but I think it was just a, a better, better time for him to just to watch and take it all in. And he had a blast, you know, he, he had a blast watching Carrie specific that he, he just thought it was pretty cool. how Carrie let it go and walked off the lanes. He just got a kick out of that. So <laughs> him seeing, him seeing all that and the players and all the guys, he's heard all these stories about me talk about guys that I played with and this guy and that guy and Gino, and he's in the background yelling at me, Gino and all these like enough of Gino. Anyways, <laughs> uh, but just seeing all those guys and getting to experience what, you know, wh why, why I love the game of bowling and why I love playing on the tour events, you know, that that's, he got to full, fully see what it was all about by coming home at two in the morning and, and experiencing the aftermath of, you know, the Calcutta's and hanging out in hotels. And it was great for both of us. And for him, I think he's suckered into being a tour event player. <laughs> he, uh, he, he looks surprised that I had a story about him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. you know what? I think he forgets that, uh, you know, back in the day with me going there, that, you know, fathers talk about their kids, man. We're proud about it. So for me to babble it to you guys all about it, that's, that's what we do. Right. So, but you know what? I think it was, uh, for him, it was really surprising to see, how, you know, the variance of young guys to old guys that how it didn't matter, you know, kind of where you fit into that demographic. We're all buddies. It was, it was, you know, from the young guys that I had met from Kobe, for example, who had never played more and was awesome to watch him play this weekend. And, you know, all the way up to getting to see Gino and Wade Power and some of these guys that have been doing this forever. It was, it was a good experience for him. Yeah, mm -hmm. that, that's why we're so fortunate in this game. Lifelong friends, no matter what, right? It's yeah, awesome. man. I, I, I rave about this and I do presentations for football and stuff. And I talk about how, you know, this, this, this game's unique and special that way because – as much as you can go out and compete on the lanes, it's more so the fun afterwards and the stuff that we're doing extracurricularly that makes it good, hanging out on the lanes and just, you know, the social events is what makes it so much fun. Absolutely. Yeah, nothing better than getting a, a full Bakers event or a full Trios event and getting to play. And even if you're not playing well, still hang out with the people that you, uh, you signed up to throw that money away with. Um, yeah, man. Like, yeah. I had a, like... We we were we were horrible. <laughs> we, were, we were really bad, man. So, but at at any point did I regret or say that I didn't want to be there? Hell no. I had a, I had a great time just taking it all in and just waiting for it to change. Ah, I can't be going. It can't be this bad the whole time. Yeah. And game after game after game, it just continued. <laughs> so it is. What it is. Yeah. But that's you know that's I love the I love the team. I, I've always been – I think the singles are where you pride yourself on and, and, and where you can set your level of where you are as a person. But I, my pride and joy has always been a team events. I love playing team events. I feel more disappointment letting you guys down in a four-player event than I ever would do missing a cut uh, by myself. So, yeah. uh, you know, I, I love the team event because it just, it's just a diff different demographic. And playing with guys – 
you know, from out of the province, which makes it more fun for me. Like, rather than playing with Winnipeg guys, I love being able to go and play with a guy I've never played with before. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, there's definitely I hope, something to be I said that's about. a good experience for him because what, what, what are the chances that he's ever going to go play with an old dude from Manitoba? Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's you, know? you gotta take every opportunity you can to play with the people that you'd never get an opportunity to play with. Uh, <laughs> hashtag, hashtag loyalty. Do <laughs> <laughs> so you guys need a three-player guy for next year then? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sorry, Tim. Peace yeah, out. No. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, loyalty, loyalty, you know what it is? Would you like a window or an aisle seat home? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> True enough. What you get that's how loyal it is and that's all it is you don't there is no uh what do they call it sitting in the middle anymore we're always on turbo props now we're not we're not cool enough to be on the big planes anymore no yeah. <laughs> no it's not us it's the fact we're going to Regina. oh yeah that could be. <laughs> <laughs> let's be real yeah. um, so what were the numbers yeah for regina yeah 268 entries. 268. New Massive. record. New record. Unreal. At, at We're opening up. 272? Uh, yeah, 276? No, 272. Yeah, 272. Yeah. Okay. It was crazy. Now, so, now, just going back, what, what, just, you might have numbers on that, but what was an old KG like? Uh, Numbers we heard was pretty close to the 250, 260 mark out of 48. We got cut. up to some of those back, and then when we had the, the when they had the 48 cut that year, I think there was close to 250, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but all those bowlers on how many lanes? Like there was quite a few more lanes at KG. I think oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, 24. I think was the final number we heard from a few guys this weekend. Yep. To, to get 268 players, 266 at Sherwood on 16 lanes is uh, made for some long shifts, that's for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's well, even been... like that, that two o'clock shift, what was it, eight hours? It was 1030, I think we were done. Yeah. Yep. Well, we pushed it. We started, I guess, just after three, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it was really close to three. Yeah. Yeah. But, but we all know it's coming, and that's the punishment for not making the cut before, you know? Hey, if you, if you don't want to play under those conditions and get out there Friday. Right, exactly. And make it Friday. And if you don't make it Friday and you decide that's going to be the shift you're playing, that, that's the shift you get. That's yeah. – uh, yep. Yeah, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with being out on lanes for that long. You, you just have to be ready for it. And, like, I, I don't know. It I used to play – I played competitive golf here and then we played in the Manitoba amateur. And when I played in the amateur, I'd have a seven and a half or an eight hour golf round oh. at, a, oh. at, a competitive, at a competitive golf event in yeah. the province. So it like, that's, that's craziness. So there's, that's, that's the sport. That's the nature of the beast. I think it challenges. I think it's a great challenge to see. I'd love to play that shift and have guys have to play in an eight hour shift. Cause I think it challenges you in a different way than it does when you're flying out through it on a Friday afternoon mm-hmm. shift. Well, yeah. now, nowadays, if you, if you actually look at the, uh, the stats on the last shift, it's only like five, maybe six people that make it usually on a, on a shift. Uh, it's just mental grind, and, and you have to prepare yourself for that eight hours. Yeah. 
If that really is usually probably closer to like three or four, they usually get through that last shift. Now, do you think that's partly the the timeline of it, or do you also think that there's? I think a lot of that weighs in. It's a Saturday. People are starting to know a number. People are pushing like you know they're you're you're, you're uh, you know four games in, you got a thousand. You're like, oh shit, I need twelve hundred for the next half to have a yeah. sniff. So that changes demographic of how people are thrown so partially yeah i think there was i posed posed that question versus a statement if you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. yeah yeah yeah. there was was definitely more than like i think there was close to eight or nine that made that last shift was there not yeah i'm looking it up right now um it was big no scott i also think that uh if you look at the general senses of the last shift it's either people are trying to rebuy and or it's your honestly I don't want to sound rude about it. It's your locals who are going to play the one shift, and and maybe they're not as um, as talented as maybe the tour pros out there. And I think that has part to do with it too. But um, yeah, I think it was abnormally high of how many people qualified from the Saturday afternoon shift this time. Yeah. It, it was high. I, I, but it, the numbers were it, high for that shift. That was a big shift compared to the usual Saturday afternoon shift, wasn't it? Yeah. Like it's usually it pretty cool, but they opened it up for a lot of people. So 80, it, 80 played, right? If I'm yeah. reading this right, I think there should be nine people that made it. Yeah. That was That's big. insane. That's really insane. Yeah. Nine percent is what I find funny, Tim, is like how you said that about the locals and that too. Like mm-hmm. very few people like me, I just went up just because the way it worked out to just play the Saturday afternoon. But normally if if I'm playing, I would never do that. Like I would be a Friday morning, you know, get out there, get her done. And if I had to, I'd be a Saturday guy for my yeah. second or third if I needed to. So that's that was not the normal situation. But I, I would agree that the majority of people that are going to do the one-time entries under the hope and a prayer kind of a scenario, would be the Saturday afternoon, would be have more of those people on it where they're just kind of coming out for the experience. Yeah. Versus yeah. the guys who are flying in for the Friday shift because that's, you know what I mean? Guys who are playing Friday are usually guys yeah. who are playing for the, you know, the purpose of playing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't I don't know if there's a big, um, in 10-pin they call it squad equity, where you, you get into a shift or a squad that has a lot of, high talent players so you can roll along. I don't know in Regina if that is so much the case anymore because you have 63 entries Friday morning, 62 entries Saturday afternoon or Friday afternoon, 63 again Saturday morning and then 80. They're all full. You're you're probably going to have pretty much the same quality across all the all the shifts. Yeah. For, for the most part, but you're going to also have a, a lot of the, the high-end players that are playing, you know, the Friday morning and getting through. So I think the, the overall talent levels might drop slightly uh, as you get through the shifts, but at the same time, they're really high-quality players that are coming out. But uh, to get back to your, your Saturday afternoons, I actually spoke with uh, three guys, uh, and they all said the exact same thing, that they only play that last event because – they play better kind of when their back's up against the wall. So they, they kind of really, you know, put some heat on themselves just to, to, to play the one shift and, you know, come out, you know, nice and fresh and, and try to make that cut. Wiss is one of them, I think. He always says he never qualifies for his first shift, but he always plays well Saturday afternoon for his second shift, right? So, yeah. Yeah, definitely a possibility of that, uh, that going on, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I now, think the, the pace, pace of play, the, the, the eight-hour shifts, uh, 
my two best qualifying shifts both came out of a fourth um, a couple of years ago at the TPC, which was full. And then uh, like two or three years ago at, uh, at Regina, uh, when it was pretty close to 80 players as well. So it, it, it's funny because it, you'll end up seeing a set uh, of players that you know, all of a sudden you get three or four guys in that one uh, qualifying ship. And no rhyme or reason to it, but they just all seem to get caught in that mode for, for that eight-hour session. It's pretty crazy. Mm -hmm. It's literally putting in a shift of work. Mm -hmm. It's a crazy. It's crazy that we paid we pay money to go put in a shift of work. <laughs> Brutal. It's awesome though. But I, I I do agree with Adam on the on the talent pool being may, maybe a little bit better Friday. Well, maybe not better, but I think you're gonna have the majority of the the top quality like out of town bowlers, anyways. Uh, Fridays, Friday morning, Friday sure. afternoon for sure. For sure. I think it, it, like, not like Michael or whoever it was, you say to do the Sunday thing. I get that. Cause I, I get the whole, I'm a, I'm, I like the pressure. I'm, I feel that I, you know, to me that makes me perform better. So I kind of understand that philosophy. However, the reciprocal of that is if you're going to go and you're going to be a tour event guy and you're just going to put all your eggs into the one basket for, for the one event, you know, at that point, if you're really traveling and you're going to spend the money, you know, should you be just leaving it to the one opportunity? Right. Yeah. And you know what I mean? At that point, I think you should have given yourself at least two, if it's a Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon or whatever, I think that you should leave yourself an option to have two outs. Cause if I you don't, that, I just think there's too much talent right now just to think that you're going to have it every time on a Saturday afternoon. I, I think that's a little bit too bold. Old braggadocious. I don't know. <laughs> you're expecting too much from yourself if you think you're going to do it all the time. Well, you think there's a hundred and 150 some individuals that are playing. Only 31 are making it through that that top cut. It like, I'm sorry. 25. Yep. Yeah. I, like you said, there's there is a quality of player out there. I would say there's almost a hundred quality 250 plus players. To, to say you have it every time to beat those other 70 players, it's uh, – I I wouldn't bet against it, that's for sure. But, mm -hmm. I think it's kind of the same mentality, you know, for, for that last shift uh, as well as uh, if you're close to a cut line on a previous shift, right? Especially if you're coming from out of town, you, you can't possibly sit on what you believe the cut line is going to be and just just sit there and watch and wait and that's why you see guys like mike herbert uh, who you know for the most part i think his 2205 everybody was was pretty certain it was going to be good uh, but, but he had to keep playing it. right like he yeah. had to keep playing in his words uh, you know he he couldn't just sit there and watch that that's just not his personality right so you know go out there and try to shoot 2280 instead so. well, and, and tyler's a great example too because he could have very well sat on 2181 and he didn't and yeah. he qualified, but he, he wouldn't have nope. cut moved up to 2185. He wouldn't have made it. it so. so going to the cut line, um, the running joke is always Robbie Wolfson is always the bubble boy at 32. And sure enough, the score turned out he was 32nd, but if he wouldn't have played another shift, he would have actually been in the cut at 31. Yeah. Correct. Exactly. There's what two two additional qualifiers, uh, Rob and Mike, Mike, or was there even more? Uh, actually, no. It w because Mike. Rob, it was actually 32. It was just Mike. 
Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. fair. Yeah. yeah. Just Mike. Yeah. It was absolutely insane. Yeah, it was great. Well, Robbie and Mike, right? If Robbie wasn't there, then it would have bumped down to Robbie's fair. second fair. score. But uh yeah, that's uh a little bit of karma, I think, on Robbie. Um, I know he didn't feel that it, that score was good enough, so he was going to play again anyways. But it would have been pretty neat to see him squeak in above the cut line. <laughs> For <But> once. <laughs> yeah. It is what it is. He put his money where his mouth is, and then he shot unreal. I was with him on that shift, and I've never seen a guy clutch up so well in 7-8 when he – uh, notoriously kind of slows down in the ninth, 10th frame of those last two games, but he, he sure uh, pounded it through and it was pretty good. I love Robbie. Yeah. It was just absolutely awesome. Yeah. Um, it was, it was kind of a really neat moment for me too. Cause I was running around watching everybody tra- like watching the final scores, just trying to keep track of everybody. Cause there were so many people that were like right on the cusp because I mean, Holy crap. The, the difference of 30 points puts you down like 16 spots you know it's it's a huge difference so um it was really cool to see Robbie because he was on one of the set of lanes that didn't have the running totals working and um I was running around keeping track of him too and he was like can you do me a favor and you know I don't want to know where I am I don't want to know what my total is I just want to know if I'm doing okay (laughs) and I was like okay well I'll, I'll go double check and I came back and was like He's got like 80 something in five with like, you know, a, a strike in five, I think. And I'm like, he had 2057 at the time. Yeah. I'm like, you're, you're doing well. You're doing well. He's like, okay. Okay. And then, uh, or sorry, 2157. I'm like, you're doing okay. He's like, okay. <laughs> and then he goes and he throws the next strike and he throws the next strike. And I walk back and I talk to you, Carrie. I was like, do I tell him? <laughs> you're like um, I'm like you know what I'll go I'll go ask him and that'll tell him enough. <laughs> so I, I walk over to Robbie. I'm like Robbie, do you want to know? And he's like, Yeah, I, I think I do. I'm like, You're good. You're yeah. in. You're good. He's like, I made a cut. <laughs> I made a cut. And he gave me the biggest hug. And it was it was an awesome moment. It was super cool just to see a guy so elated. And uh, kudos to him. Long time coming. He's having a breakout year. Um, couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Oh, and it could have been like real sour as well because his twenty one eighty three opened nine ten of the last game again yeah. to put him in that position, right? So, uh, yeah, no, I was su- super stoked for the guy. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it, it's really been eating on him for for quite a few years now. So, and he's he's pretty you know pretty composed that he's he's not gonna you know you know show his emotions too much when it comes to that. But I know he was eating at him and. Uh, then comes out and, you know, goes against probably the tournament favorite or pre-tournament favorite in Brad Moans and uh, take, takes him down the first match. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah good, good, good for Wolf. Um, yeah, hopefully he's able to continue that through, you know, Red Deer and beyond. I, I thought the craziest thing on the weekend was uh, Shane Berry qualifying. Uh, he goes up there and he goes, where's the corner? And he goes, miss, Whiffed miss, yeah. lifted yeah. twice. And then all of a sudden, you look at uh, Brian Hurst. Brian Hurst blows a corner in 10, and, and he loses not making the cut. All, sh- all of a sudden, Shane makes it by one, right? One point. And uh, all he had to do is hit that corner, and all of a sudden, he leaps, leaps two guys. Like, it was just absolutely yeah. so tight and so crazy. There was like three or four players there in the last five frames. That last game kind of backed up. They're, they had legitimate shots at making that 2,200 number, and then they just – 
backed right off. Mm-hmm. That, that but, goes with that little bit of pressure, right? They put that little yeah. extra pressure on you going into the last few frames of the, the eight games, and it's it can yeah. catch you. But kudos to Shane. Shane came back. He actually went really far in the tournament. And uh, I, I, I know he's won a national goal before in Masters, so he has some experience with that. So uh, it, just, it was just insane how everything was so tight there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the one thing we're missing is, you know, congratulations to Tyler Dickett. Yeah. Right? It's what a, what a great performance there on Sunday. And for first place of, uh, was it 10 grand? Yeah. Yeah. Like our, our first 10K, um, you know, prize pool winners. So, you know. I, I guess that's, uh, that's something I want to ask you guys. And this isn't anything against Regina. It's just how you guys feel about it. How do you feel about them end loading um, first overall? I mean, because it because it was it was five thousand dollars more than second place, so it was literally oh. double, right? Wow, it's huge. I um, did they do it so they could get to that ten thousand dollar number? That that was my that's my guess. I didn't actually talk to them about it because it is their tournament. They can structure it however they want. Um, my my personal feelings on it. I would love to see it more structured. For every match you win, you win a little bit more money. Yes, the the ten thousand is obviously huge, huge for anybody to win that event. But is it that much worth that much more to give them the extra five thousand dollars than to spread it out among maybe the top eight players? Well, what, and give, what other give seventy five hundred to first? Like seventy five hundred is still a huge number. What other tournament gets a second place of five grand though? TPC. Like, uh, they're, they're, is it five five grand for second place? And what was their first place price? They, actually, just over seven thousand. I think first place was like fifty five or six, and then second. So, uh, sorry, second was like fifty five or six, and then uh, and first was seventy five or something. Yeah. The money was more spread out up the up the brackets than um, than Regina was, right? Not okay. saying it's not saying it's a bad structure. Right? Like obviously the numbers were there, but. Do you feel um, you would like to see more TPC structured pay- payouts or would you like to see Regina structured payouts where if you win the tournament, you get 10 G's um, and if you get second, you, you get five. Um, I, I, obviously I, I, the payouts were less down lower, but. I'll say this is I think when you have your $10,000, you know, say $10,000 first place, um, with how packed those two events are, I don't think it's. I think it's irrelevant. You're not going to get more entries. You're not going to get less entries. Um, so I know in the past sometimes people throw those ten thousand dollars up front to try to create more interest. It, I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna affect it either way. Um, I, I guess it is what it is. I'm. I'm irrelevant to both. Obviously, I think I'm biased. I think TPC. It, it, I like to share love a little bit more. But if you're still doing well in Regina, you still get paid. So but, I just, I guess but to be to... fair, Tim, it's not really, like really you don't have a say in what TBC's pay structure anyway. That's what Blair's pay structure is, right? He, he no. kind of decides that, right? No, no. We, we after uh, we, we do our initial like payouts um, before the tournament is run based on whatever number. And then mm-hmm. um, once we have all the entries, we sit, we sit in that room and we talk. And right, we but, it, through but it. it's based off percentages, right? And he rounds up. Yeah. Right, yeah, it's yeah, not. Much. It's not like, yeah. oh, we have an extra five thousand dollars. Let's let's move that to the top end. 
right? No, it, no, it's, it's not like it's that. structured all the way up, right? Yeah, yeah. Blair, Blair. Basically, we, we trust him on his on his money skills, and we go from there. Blair busy. No, no Blair, tuck, 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 tuck. Yeah, it's like sheesh. <laughs> <laughs> Like when I actually saw the the prize payouts, you know, through through the initial rounds of Regina, I didn't think they were actually all that that bad. Oh no, they're uh, not. They're I, great. I, like 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 what yeah. what uh, what were you guys paying out at TPC for like first match, second match? Just out of curiosity. I didn't uh, make the cut, so I don't remember. Uh, uh, <laughs> Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Adam. <laughs> well, no, I can't remember. They were pretty it, close. It, 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 it was yeah, like three hundred for your first match win, which actually seemed like a lot. In yeah. comparison to TPC, because I, I thought TPC two years ago was like two hundred or two fifty for your first match, and then I'm, maybe I'm it maybe sure. got higher T- after that. I, but I believe TPC was really close. I think it might have been two seventy five. I would we would have to look back at it. But the next match was uh, five fifty at Regina, and I think TPC was pretty close to that too. And then the next jump was more at TPC than it was in Regina. Okay. Yeah, because we we try to we try to we try to get it so that the increase in in the uh, in the payout um, gets bigger every time. So um, with Regina this year, you won three hundred for the first match. You won five hundred for the second. Yeah, and then it was seven fifty. So it was like a two hundred dollar increase, and then a, a two fifty increase. Whereas like TPC, we would do like. 250 we would okay we've done 250 let's say i think that might have been around there five matches with 500 and yeah. then i think the one next one was 900 if not a thousand somewhere around there um just trying to get that increase from match just a little bit uh, more consistent and, and like this isn't uh i guess my question wasn't an argument between the two no, tournaments. No. it's just yeah. how do you personally feel about um seeing the pay structure one way yeah. compared to the other you know, I, I've, I've finished what I was, was it B-side, A-side, fours? I can't remember which one it was. And I, I walked out between winning one match on the one side and, and then going up to there. I think I won like $2,400 or something like that. So I, I'm not going to complain about it. Yeah. It was okay. Um, in, in comparison to like the Autumn Open, and I, I remember, you know, when we were, obviously numbers were certainly much lower. And uh, when we were running the numbers there, it was extremely top-heavy. Right, your your top two or three guys were were getting significantly more than the next you know ten guys. Right, you're only talking fifty bucks, uh, like a paid jump from mm-hmm. sixteen to fifteen, et cetera, et cetera. And then it was it was really top heavy. So yeah, um, it, so I mean, it was it was good on the good years, but uh, for the most part, most people weren't getting paid out very well. Even even this year, uh, I think I think first was like five five grand for autumn. Yeah. Yep. And then three thousand for second, and then I was third at eighteen hundred. It was a it was a big drop in there, and then uh, it it dropped significantly after that. Even uh, so. I think I was tenth, and I got nine hundred. Yeah, so um, one two is definitely the big ones. Yeah, but you gotta remember, there's an extra eight players that they're paying qual uh, for sure qualifying money too, right? Absolutely. Yep. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I think both work. Uh, I, I don't mind having that, that big top prize, especially when we've got the numbers out there to kind of back it up. And who, who, who knows, maybe there was uh, some additional, you know, funds that came in that they were, you know, putting towards the prize pool as well. Right. So all your sponsorship monies and, and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I don't, I, I, I think 
both terms are, are phenomenal. I, I, I like the payouts. I, I, I think there's enough money for winning per match to make it, you know, very yeah. worthwhile to win that match in both formats. So, I, well, I and, no and again, either. you know, uh, with it being, you know, $300 for your first match, I mean, you know what, you could force shift it and, and feel comfortable with that because you win, you make the cut, but you make one, you match, win one you're, match. You're even. You, you, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, it definitely makes it worthwhile. I disagree, Tim. I think there's room for more entries. You see, you're not going to get more entries. I disagree. I, I think our Thursday shift next year is going to be big again. Oh, I think it's no, going to be bigger than no, it was. No, but, but, but you get my point. I don't, I don't think that $10,000 draws more people. No, but it is a selling feature. It, no, it is. But it's, I don't, it's but a bragging rights not, thing. But not when you already missed four people from making the – you know, four people didn't fill it up. So – so um, I, yeah. I think it's relevant. Timmy, I, I think the only difference though is uh, like the the tournaments up in like Fort St. John and uh, yeah. Oxbridge, right? With the, probably the That's, two that offered the 10K. We didn't have these type of numbers to make second prize and third prize worth anything. No, but, right? but that's so really, really, they were so top heavy, and then the next rest of the guys made nothing because they still had to pay up 10K. But that's why we went to Fort St. John because it was 10,000. It was different because we already knew that there's only going to be 30 guys that show up to it. And then we already had a group of guys already planned. First place gets 5,000. The other five will get a thousand dollars each. Yeah. And yeah. If we had, so we knew we had a good shot, not being sound arrogant about it. Oh, you um, like your chances, 30 guys for 10 K top. Yeah. And, and you know what, honestly, out of those 30 guys, there's only about 12 of us could make it. So it was really a 50% uh, yeah. uh, coin flip, right? So we, we hit it pretty good. So, but uh, yeah, I agree. I don't. I just don't think the numbers change that much, regardless, unless we throw a Thursday shift in there. But um, knowing that the money's there, you know, people are still going to be coming back. So I think it's pretty cool that they had a ten thousand dollar payout, just like back in the KG, right? Mm -hmm. And Uxbridge in Ontario, right? To, to have those numbers again, that haven't been around for almost two decades, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, the professional side of bowling is gaining traction. I just hope uh, the rest of the bowling world keeps up, right? Mm -hmm. So I guess I leading in – go ahead. Vic. I think we've got to get some more of the proprietors just to bite in a little bit to realize that how important uh, top-notch level play is. I know that there's a lot of parity between house play and – competitive play but if you look at the curlers that are out there now look at the curling world man it's totally changed because people are excited to watch the top level people compete mm -hmm. i think we need to hit on that a little bit more so that we can get you know get some more leverage within the other sports communities yeah like the your local proprietor maybe spotlighting these players and doing a little more with them right to bring them in for clinics or stuff like that like uh, there's a lot these proprietors could do with their local league players and stuff like that to bring in these top level players that play in your house or live near your house. So you can bring them in and do stuff with them. It, it would help, help, right? I uh, used curl? to, not anymore. Oh, no. But if I asked you to name a curler from your province, I bet you, you guys could name a curler from your province. Maybe retired, but, but I, I do know them. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. But, but the point of that is, is that, you could ask a curler to name a bowler and they'd have no clue. That's right. Do you yeah. think so the, the, the popularity and that like our top athletes aren't getting the recognition, you know, that, that other sports, I'm not saying that we need, we're, we're hockey or nothing or like these, 
but we should we, we still why can't we compete with curling you know what i mean like mm-hmm. i just to me to see them how they've changed their game and how much publicity and how things are growing for them i just see the potential here with the tour like it's good to see what you guys have done over the last yeah. few years to get it there. it just needs to be a few other people need to buy on board and this could take off yeah it needs a little help right like uh it's still the people playing there are the only ones promoting it where's where's the little extra outside right mm-hmm yeah, Scotty, I was uh, actually was talking to uh, a, a curler or whatnot, and they mentioned that actually uh, curling's in a worse spot than five-pin bowling is when it comes to set, uh, curling rinks closing and youth not being involved as much. Like, they're actually their numbers are, are declining just, just as rapidly as five-pin, but uh, they are obviously – they have something uh, that we don't, right? And obviously they can spotlight their players, like you mentioned, just a way better way to be can right now. So, but I, I don't, I don't know if that's, a, I'm not familiar, but it's, it's so different with a private business running, um, uh, prof, like a, trying to run a professional sport because it's just, it's just, it's just different than, than a public, like, you know, like football, it's all public, right? It's a lot different than, than bowling. And I think honestly, as much as we have these associations and stuff, everything kind of falls back on the pride or how much they want to push it. And, and or how much they are wanting to do that within their center, right? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but how hard would it be, Tim? Um, just as a general question, mm-hmm. before one of your leagues, if you don't have a lot of open play, always going before the one league, would it be impossible to bring in one of the professional bowlers for a few dollars to come in an hour before, invite the league bowlers to come do a Q and A and a play, like? a small pro-am or something, something small like that before the league even starts? No, no, absolutely. Right? I your mean, your league bowler comes in, pays five bucks to, to play with the professionals and you do something small like that. It's just a, the small promotions. I know a lot, a lot of the bigger houses, they probably have open play right to league bowling, but the, the smaller houses probably don't. Like, let's say Stetler Bowl, right? In, or sorry, Heartland Bowl in Stetler. Robert probably could do that with Ashana and Ashan Schwartz, right? You bring him in before a league and you invite your league bowlers to come in a little bit early for $5 and play a few games with supposedly the professionals of the sport and maybe mm-hmm. they learn something, do a Q&A. I don't know. We should be, we should be charging our Thursday night crew every week, eh? Yeah, all the, the all the league bowlers. <laughs> yeah, Bill McDermott, give me your five bucks. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Just, just a thought. Oh, for sure. The proprietor sure. get yeah. behind some of the, the professional bowlers that do play leagues in those houses and stuff like that, right? We, we find a huge – We uh, for any of you guys that haven't or don't know, um, we got Celtronic, similar to Cubica, where you can put the advertisements up on the screen and all that kind of stuff. And uh, to be honest with you, we didn't want to just have some lazy background on there. So – uh, we haven't got around to trying to find advertisements for it yet, but Dexter thought a good idea putting the excitement vi- videos from the three tour uh, on where we had like the was it thirty it was a fifteen second clip or something yeah, like that the, the hype videos for each the of the hype tour videos championships. So, yeah. so we put all three on there and you should be, see how many of our league bowlers just love watching it um, even open play and then he's like guys you know we announced that we're going to be hosting it this year. And they're like, well, how much are tickets? We'll be there. Because they follow that stuff all the time, right? And little things like that, like, I'm sure, I'm confident we can fill the bleachers in August. Um, but you got to get the right people on the, in the, 
on the right way again things started and I I guess moving forward to that, I think that you guys are probably on the good track in the Manitoba Open. I think you guys have the right people there in place, Scott, and I think you guys have the core there where I think you finally might have a chance to have a successful event to join the tour. Like, What do you think about that? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Trevor, Trevor and Amanda have done lots of really good things right now in the province for the YBC, and for them, you know, they've, you know, Mike, their dad stuck his nose. He's been doing this for you know, I worked with him at Rossmere when I was 16, so their dad's been doing this a long time, and he's invested in bowling, and it's nice to see that they've stuck to their guns because they had it a long time ago, and it was unfortunate that it had to go, uh, but it was just kind of the way of the, the lay of the land at the time with the way things were going that it just mm -hmm. wasn't feasible. But uh, to see them coming back and the, the, the idea and the perspective that they put into the thought of the, how the, to, to make the tournament different and unique is awesome. You know, rather than just throwing something back together, pitch patch to make it work, they've invested some time, come up with a really good philosophy in a really interesting way, and I think it's a, I think it absolutely will be a viable event for people to come and uh, come out and play football, uh, football, <laughs> play bowling back in Manitoba. <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a long time since you know the St. James and Dakota were hosting the tournament. We had all you guys back out here, so it's good for the province and it's good for bowling here because I think it'll just help, you know, the kids and the young people here. We don't have enough opportunity for people to go out and play. And, and it sounds bad, but I don't think enough people in the province have enough gall to go out and put their money on the table out in Regina to go test it because you find the local people support their thing there so much better than we do here that hopefully this will be the, the difference maker that people say, hey, you know what, I'm going to go test my luck and see what these guys are like. And all it does is make people better. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, we, we need we need the kids to play and the young people that you know the two thirty two thirty five guys in the province that you know that need to see, yeah, yeah, that they can play because you know what's funny is is like I, we're we're it's it's tough scoring out here so the guys that are on the cusp here and that are two thirty five and can't bust that that number to carry over much higher it, it it's a hard sell to think that you're going to go out there and average two sixty when you haven't gone out there and seen the difference in the scoring so once you understand and you know that. And I don't mean to be rude about it, but the scoring as you go west from here gets a whole lot easier at times, especially mm -hmm. for the centers that you guys are playing in. So to go play it at some of these places and get the scoring that you do, it'll be good for the guys that are 235 here to, to get a taste of it, to say, you know what, I can yeah. go and I can do the 260 thing. You know what I mean? Does that yeah. mean they're going to make the cut at 270? No, but that, the only way you're going to ever get there is by first learning to get to 260. I see. I, I'm excited because uh, for the, both of you, if you, listeners don't know, we wait for Kerry for about an hour to get the podcast up and running. So Scott had a great <laughs> talk with him yeah. uh, off there. So I think Scott and I are going to be excited. We can actually grind to make a cut instead of have to yeah. throw a bunch of strikes. So yeah, it's, it's going to be right up a rally there. So I'm excited yeah, for it. It's you know what? It, it'll be nice to see. I. I as a, as a non-gunner guy, I, I made a joke when I watched your guys' podcast last week and said, hey, who do you guys think is going to win this week, a gunner or a, or a roller? And uh, there's not a lot of houses out there nowadays that suit the, the roller ball for, uh, you know, to, to give you the extra benefit of the doubt. It's so much more a, a chucker, chucker centers now. And so, you know, at Dakota, for example, I sit there and I watch these guys who are ripping the ball down the lane, getting carries and kickbacks and, Man, when I punch the middle, guess what? It ain't bouncing back. <laughs> <My> <laughs> speed, I don't get that shit. So 
to get to get to a center where it's going to even it out a little bit, man, it'll be nice for a change to to have a rolling house. Yeah, uh, I don't know what you're talking about, Scotty. I threw the ball as hard as I could, and I didn't score any better. So <laughs> <laughs> good, that's so good. <laughs> oh, oh, I got you, I got you. <laughs> Pitching pitch dice is a problem. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I did spare I did spare a split and a head pin on the weekend though. I did have three shifts I'd try and do it, but I did it. I will say my I think you were probably my son's favorite guy to watch. So you you, you gained a new fan there. He he really appreciated the walk off the lane. I'm just like he should probably do it more often when he hits the middle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you maybe you meant when I uh fell onto the lane. Maybe that was his favorite part. I got you, I got you. I hope, that, I hope that goes in one of those blooper videos with the cam and the, the Lenny Adams. <laughs> they, they already put it on Facebook, so I'm sure it'll <laughs> enter one of those highlight videos. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> there was another there was one with Lenny one. this year too, right? It, it was in practice, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm sure it's still on camera, though. Oh, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've done it. I've left my gripper on many a time back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> People with wet towels don't have wet towels Keep at the score the desks. <laughs> Keep it <laughs> off the ground, yeah. Don't step uh, on it. Yeah, I guess. I should have been paying attention. <laughs> that might have been my uh, fifth or sixth beer of Baker's. So, uh. <laughs> yeah, just don't start a Baker's shift really poorly. Yeah. All of a sudden, you have shots thrown at you. <laughs> yeah. Like, literally. Thanks, Dex. taste. <laughs> 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 They were tasty and they worked. So, <laughs> um, so Scotty, we have a segment on here. Um, unfortunately, I don't have the questions in front of me, but I'll try and uh, pick it out of the air. Um, who was your bowling mentor growing up? Uh, I, um, you know what? That's a tough question. I, you know that I, I had a lot of guys that really were influential. And for me, when I came out of YBC, I was I was a pretty big hothead. Um, so for me to have, I first got drafted into our Unicity League, which was our traveling competitive league, and I had a guy named Bart Boone, which is Cam's dad. So I got drafted by Willie Orn and Bart Boone. I remember one day coming out and kicking a ball racket about something going on. And I walked off the lane and literally Bart Boone slapped me. And I was just like. Listen, and, I'm, and this is junior football guys. I'm in my 20s. And I'm like, what the is this guy doing? And he was just like, that's not how we do this up here. And I was just kind of like, what? Like, blown away that this this old dude was going to call me out about it. And so those are the guys that, like, bowling-wise, you know what? I, I never really tried to emulate anybody. Like, I, I love, you know, Robert Chicanis was a guy that I just kind of, you know, was always around from YBC up to the adults that I like watching play. But I think it was more about the older guys, like, Bart Boone and some of those, you know, veteran guys, Bud Knight and some of the old dudes, Lynn Howell, you know, Kevin O'Leary, those are the guys that shaped me as a player and as a competitor. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, to hear that name, like I, I didn't get to know Cam's dad at all, but Willie Orn was around when I first started playing. So kind of neat to. The CBC, man, there wasn't more guys that there were, that dude owned the CBC for a lot of years, man. Yeah. So. Uh, that was uh, that was my nickname for him growing up was Mr. CBC because there wasn't anybody that could beat him. Yeah. Hmm. So, um, so past or present, what's your favorite tournament? Well, I got to go back to the TPC just to my baby. 
<laughs> I got to go back to that one. It's my favorite just because it's the one that holds the most dear to my heart right now. So, yeah. Pretty uh, Sherwood, though, right? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I boycotted that place since because, you know, I think it's self-explanatory. <laughs> Yeah, obvious reasons. <laughs> obvious. Fair. You know, I Fair. can't even get in the field. I send out and ask if they'll take any like former champions in the field, and I get direct hard no. Hard uh, Scotty, no. I, I'm telling you, man, I I struggled so hard saying that to you too. I just, but I had already I told. You, man, I'm just dogging. I'm just dogging. It's all. Uh, I know. I, tr- trust me, it, it ate at me, but. It, I, I I couldn't guarantee it. I, you're doing, yeah. you're doing the right thing. If you would have let me in, I would have been pissed at you. Yeah, you, you know what, Scott? You know what, Scott? I actually had asked Dexter who you were because I forgot who you were. I didn't remember the name. <laughs> I went. I had to point it on at the guy with the soul patch on the wall. Oh, Thanks. that guy! I, oh, I, that I guy. remember that guy. He was relevant. <laughs> like that, eh, Tim? Really <laughs> <laughs> noted. Oh. That, that, I'm, I'm many thousand kilometers away. I can say that. That's all I have. Yeah, he's brave. <laughs> he's red here, man. He's, red he's already working on his wrestling ring in his basement. Top <laughs> <laughs> yo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, do you have a favorite or most memorable match? Uh, you know what? My I, one of my favorite matches of all time was one of my 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 rookie year in mixed team in the open, and uh, I played against Bruce Mortar on the mixed team, which was pretty amazing at the time because I had heard all these stories of I'd come back from school and played football in the states and kind of taken a break and came back up and heard all about this dude who was so unreal and hadn't really done much tour events or any of that stuff at that time and was just kind of got back into it and got an opportunity to go play him and he started with the first seven I finished with the last seven and ended up beating him by like three or five or something and it was just kind of one of those moments where I was just like holy so he it was getting the ball your idol and on a mixed team at the time when you're a rookie was pretty cool because he was at the time he was the man for sure mm-hmm. well, let's be fair he was still a man until he retired so Oh man, there's not there's not many people that throw a sweeter ball. Like he, the, his his ball was pretty spectacular, and his perspective and attitude was top notch. One of the best ever. So mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely, absolute first first vote Hall of Famer if they had that shit in here in our sport. So that's right. <laughs> yeah. Um. So what's in your arsenal? What what bowling balls do you throw? What shoes do you use? Golly, I have. <laughs> Uh, well, when I played on the tour back in the day, I used to sell bowling equipment. So I have wax and wax. I wax and wax the balls. So uh, I'm actually a duck pin guy. I've got soft rolls in the bag as my go-to if I need to fall back on. But I'm an, I have uh, ebonites that I use, a set of duck pin balls. And yep. then I've got a set of uh, uh, my other ones. Are, I guess if ones are Aramis and ones are uh, not Aramis. Uh, Ebonites and the other ones are another duck pin ball. I can't remember what they're. They're blue and white ones I got from Greg Pederitis. Uh, the are they pro-line pro ABCs? Yeah, pro-lines. Yeah, and they're along about the, just slightely under the geometer of my Ebonites. Okay. So a little bit softer. A little and bit then, harder to my Ebonite. And then I assume you're still using Dynaroos then? Yeah, I still wear my Dynaroos. Uh, I got a set of 
it was funny because my last master's tournament that I played and I said, I'm retiring. I took my shoes off. We had a shoe draw and I won a brand new set of Dexters that year. So I've got a brand new set of Dexters <laughs> in a box in the closet that uh, are waiting to be used from, I don't know, I guess five years or six years ago now. So, but I, I love my Donneroos are still my favorite shoes the most comfortable ones yet. So I'm hard pressed to switch out of them. Right. And so, uh, you can pick past or present. Who would be the one person you'd want to play a match against? Mm. Well, I'd love to play Mr. Adam Weber because I haven't had an opportunity yet. And, you know, everybody tells me that he's, I got to call him Mr. So <laughs> Mister. Whoa, whoa, I have to try whoa. to fix that problem. <laughs> no, honestly, I, I'd really, you know, I, I, I had the opportunity to play a lot of the big dogs when I was playing when I was, you know, back in the day. So I got to play Bruce and Lynn and, you know, Joe Cranabetter. And I can just go across the provinces of all Jim Head and, you know, so Mark Mador, like list of guys from every province that I got to experience. So those, those I, I, I appreciate those moments. But now I'd like to get, a, you know, to play against some of the guys I didn't get to play against. Doug McCall would be another old guy that was kind of done before my time that I didn't get a chance to play with. But, I, you know, all you little dogs out here that I'm talking to right now, I want to meet up. So I'll, I'll come back to get you guys all. That's it. So, yeah, the young guys, man, because I see what you guys are doing nowadays, and I want to be a part of that. So I'd like to get a, you know, yep. a shout out to all you guys because you guys are all top notch. So, well, trust me, Scotty. Everybody on this podcast wants a piece of you. So bring it on. <laughs> Did you get like a, a bowling bag attachment for your walker? <laughs> <laughs> A little ramp. I'm, I get to play Masters Seniors next year. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Isn't that fun? Yeah, that is pretty fun. I'll be 50 <laughs> next year. Really? Yeah, wow. Go. Yeah. So I'm I'm about I'm about Walker style. Yeah. <laughs> but I picked a style that was conducive to using a walker. I think my little hook. You know, yeah. If I was uh, if I was throwing the ball like Derek Holm or Derek Horn or something, I, I might be in a little bit of trouble. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, so you guys have a, a topic you want to bring up? I, I sort of do actually. Sure. Um, Scotty, uh, as people know, he's really big into professional sports. Um, is there anything from professional sports that you can take towards your bowling or is there anything from bowling you could take, you've taken towards your professional sports? A hundred percent. I think, you know, when I came back from college and learned about, you know, I learned a lot about guided imagery and a whole lot of uh, mental toughness stuff. So that's mm -hmm. one of the things that I present on through like for, I do bombers clinics and uh, done some football Manitoba clinics and stuff. And that's one of the things that I present on is about mental imaging and guided imagery and mental toughness stuff. And so I think that I'm a hundred percent a significantly better bowler from learning my experience uh, playing football in the States and learning how mm -hmm. to analyze and, and, and just the whole, you know, experience of how to use your brain to be successful and centering. And like, so I think that's, uh, I think that's what's, I'm not going to say separates me because I don't want to be no. arrogant, but that's what makes me true. compete with the guys at a level that I can is not because I'm as athletic as them, but I think I have a, a pretty solid mental game and that's strictly from learning that stuff from the States and sports psychology and that. So, uh, yeah, I would say 100% of it's transferable, uh, that sort of stuff. And, and then also coaching at, you know, learning and coaching at a pro level and coaching 
professional athletes teaches you perspective and and understanding you know what what your how how much your perspective can hinder or can enable you to reach your goals mm-hmm. is there anything from the professional side of sports that you think we could bring to bowling to promote our game or get our game to the next level um, is there something you see that we're missing that you see in the other sides of sports? Uh, I, I, you know, marketing, all that sort of stuff. That's not really my, you know, kind of the forte of what I would be looking at. But I think that, you know, I think there's a lot lost in the the mental part of the game. Like, I don't think that there's, a, you know, there's enough mm-hmm. teaching. Like, I don't know, you guys were at bowling school, but I used to, when I did the bowling school with Tom, we did the, you know, we did guided imagery and some of that stuff, and 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 I just don't see, I, I I see too many people that are making mistakes that should be controllable with the right mental game and having their self in a spot that they're. I don't even know how to I want to word it without sounding cheesy, but no. these guys should be able to control their brain enough in the spot that they're not mental midgets that they should be able to be coming out on the other side, but they just don't see that that's part of the game. They just think it's throwing shots and throwing strikes versus being mentally tough. If that makes sense. Yeah. Mm, yeah, sure. I, I totally agree. Um, the, 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 the gentleman that used to come to bowling school, he actually worked for the bombers too. Did he not? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. He did. He did. Uh, he did the their sports psychology back in late '90s and stuff. So yeah, it, it was always super beneficial to go to it. Um, it was our one nap time throughout the because <laughs> 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 they, they they did a relaxation session and like taught you how to relax. They turned off all the lights and and you know five minutes later you'd hear all the snoring. But uh, they definitely did a lot to like teach you how to relax and how to you know play within yourself and and, and control your energy levels. Um, which requires a lot of self-awareness too, and wh- it, where you play better at, and it was yeah. It makes such a difference, man. Like I, I like, I think that in the moments when 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 the stress was on, and like the, being able to handle those moments, the reason why I think that I felt that I was going to be more dominant in those moments was because I had control of the emotions, and I centered myself, and I understood, like you know, being nervous isn't isn't the bad thing it's your body telling you your mind that you're ready to go like it's not a it's it's how you deal with it and how you use those feelings and emotions to be successful versus being detrimental so i i just think that it's it's a key part of the game that's not focused on enough uh there's so much more to it once once you get a taste of it Mm -hmm. And, and like and i think a lot of the top players just naturally have it I think that's just something that you can separate for yourself from the top guys from the middle guys. But I think if they actually knew more about it, I think the guys would, you'd find guys would even separate themselves even more. I think there's a lot of people that have um, learned it along the way. You know, you, you, you've spent boatloads of money going to all these tournaments, being in those positions so many times that you, you kind of learn on the fly and you figure it out. But uh, you could save yourself a lot of money by just focusing on it, and you know maybe taking some classes or watching some YouTube or you know reading a book um, could probably yeah yeah exactly <laughs> read a book exactly um, you know I mean? could save yourself a boatload of money by just learning that way could save a yeah. lot of L's right yep yeah you know what I mean like I I've never thought that I've been more 
uh, capable than guys, but sometimes I've thought I've been mentally tougher than people. And I think that that's, a, you know, maybe that's an arrogant thing, but I think that that's also what, you know, helps if you can have something that separates you from the other guys, it, it, it separates from me from the other guys, be it good, bad, or otherwise. Oh, 100%. Mm -hmm. How many times have we been in a match where you look to the guy melting down or losing his mind on something, and you sit there and you're like, well, I've got him. Perfect. Yeah. Done. Match over. Yeah. 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 I, it's like I, I, I am very – there's lots of times where I watch guys and I just kind of giggling going, Matt, this is it. It's done. You know what I mean? They can, you can just tell from the, you know, from their perspective and their, their attitude that they're done. They're done. This is, and you can jump on those guys. And I, that's to me. I'd rather have, I'd rather have those moments where you can just sit back and grind and grind and grind. And when they get to the grind moment, like you said, Tim, and then all of a sudden mm -hmm. it's just, no oh, man, this isn't going my way. Then you can jump on them. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. funny. That was actually one of my big goals in the off season, is to uh, to to really start you know working on the mental game a little bit more. And uh, I, I I think I've got a relatively decent one, but I've never really trained at it. And like, like Dex was saying, I think, you know, just kind of learn it along the way and, and all that. But I, I definitely think there's room for improvement probably for everyone, you know, the so-called pros on tour uh, to, to, to jump another level. And I, quite frankly, I want to find out if I can jump that another level. And, and I think that's, that's the, the next, you know, next topic for, for my, my game. It's just like any other training, man. If you if you haven't lifted a weight and you get in the weight room, you'll see differences. If you haven't skated and you're going to go skate laps, you're going to see a difference. If you haven't trained your brain to be mentally tough, you're going to see a difference. It gets inevitable. Like I, I, as a guy who who buys into it 100% now and teaches it, it is it, it'll it'll make you from being ordinary to extraordinary. Like mm -hmm. it, it's that much of a difference in how uh, mentally being mentally tough changes everything. That's how that big jump just buying into positivity. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Once you buy in, it's, it's incredible what the, the mind can do for the body. Well, you know what? Some people laugh at me because they'll ask you, what did you have last frame? And at times I go, I don't remember. Because <laughs> I literally just try to tune it out. Like I could have a strike or I could have a punch. And sometimes I'm just like, whatever. I, I, I really don't remember because I'm really trying to – you can't do anything about the past. It sounds cheesy. So – why why even acknowledge it and you're almost 50 wow well what were we talking about again yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well actually i think that's a great note to end this podcast on guys uh, i kept you up long enough scotty i know it's uh, you're gonna you're gonna end it on me being yeah like, I, I know it, i know it's late <laughs> you're almost 50 you probably need to go to bed so i just wanna <laughs> i can't i can't thank you I enough it, i gotta get it on film we're still playing the four player or is this the note that i'm yeah. too old to play next year oh, for you? you're good you're good okay hashtag loyalty we're always in <laughs> <laughs> Go cool. hey man, guys! I really appreciate you having me on here. I, I uh, enjoy chatting with you guys all the time, and you know what you guys are doing is good for bowling and good for the tour. So, if you're ever bored and you ever need somebody else to throw some garbage out, you're always welcome to call me up. Well, awesome, buddy! You just committed. Really to enjoyed chatting job. with you tonight. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Episode 100. So when I turn 75. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Scotty. Thanks, Scott. Well, thanks, thanks, Scotty. Man.
Appreciate no it. No problem.